This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Gama powder coating systems offer you greater efficiencies while producing high quality results. We provide the very best in powder delivery, application technology, and connectivity for smarter factory automation. With Gama, you get maximum performance and repeatability whether you are on the shop floor or away from it. For a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. When you want to know that everything is covered, complete it with Gama. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode 28 of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder, a.k.a. Kevin Biller, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, erudite sidekick, Nathan. He's a recent graduate of the Terry Gross School of Interviewing Technique. He's also Powder Coating Research Group's formulator dude. What's up, everybody? We're broadcasting from the Powder Coating Research Group studios in Columbus, Ohio. Our fair city. The purpose of the Astro Powder Podcast is to bring the latest news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. So let's get it rolling. Yeah, but before we do... Shout out. I'd like to give a heartfelt shout out to our good friend... Rick DeVore of DCL Pigments, and if you recall, that's uh, the combination of what used to be Lansco Pigments and Dominion Color. Well, about a year ago in our episode number five, we gave a a more somber shout-out to Rick, telling him to, quote-unquote, get better. Said we were pulling for him. Back then, for confidentiality reasons, we didn't go into detail about Rick's condition. He was battling late-stage pancreatic cancer and was in really pretty bad shape. Well, got great news for everybody. After months of chemo and a a strong fight and a couple of operations, Rick has been declared cancer-free, and actually they use the word cured by his team of doctors. I'd like to say kudos to... Rick's dear friend, Roland Vallon, who uh, was instrumental in keeping us posted all along Rick's torturous journey. So hats off to Roland, but Rick, you know, shout out to you. Uh, we're so happy that you're, you're doing okay, you're feeling better. And one last note, and this is not surprising, we just heard, and this was from Roland, that Rick has decided to start a nonprofit foundation to help people who have cancer and have been released from their jobs and have no insurance coverage. So we may have uh, information about that in the future, but this, uh, this is one of those things with a happy ending. Anyway, now it's time for news in our Guess What segment. Guess what? I guess we'll uh, do the numbers here real quick. There's reports from Coatings World. First one is Axo Nobel came out with their Q1 2021 
uh, numbers. They're claiming 16% growth and significant step up in profitability for the first quarter of the year. Revenues up 10% and 16% higher in the constant currencies. Strong growth in Asia. Their operating income is up. Um, OPI margin is up. Adjusted operating income is up. And there's a bunch of numbers there. If you want to read the details, go to Coatings World. Yeah, you know, one thing, uh, you know, I think all these major global companies are seeing, uh, the growth in Asia has been spectacular in the last you know, in the last couple of quarters. And uh, the, I think if you break it down, I think the growth in, in some of the quote-unquote more mature markets are a little more modest. But overall, they're doing good. So it's good to hear. Well, well and the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, when they talk about the first quarter 2021 you know, year over year, if you're comparing anything to what happened in 2020, you have to kind of keep in mind that it was not a typical year. And so the numbers, um, you know, need to be looked at in that context for sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, what are your numbers versus 2019? <laughs> right. Did you got those? Oh, okay. You'll get back to me? Fine, thanks. All right, and Exalta also uh, came out with their Q1 results. Uh, they announced the first quarter ending March 31st, net sales of $1,063 million. I guess that's a billion. That's an increase of 8.1% year over year, including a 3.2% foreign currency benefit driven by 4.6% higher volumes and 0.3% higher average price and product mix. Oh, thank you, Kai Rizdahl. <laughs> right. All right, here's some more numbers for you. This one comes from PPCJ, and this is um, actually some pretty interesting stuff. PPG lost, launched their 2020 sustainability report, and it highlights their strong continued progress against key environmental, social, and governance areas. And if you want to dig into the numbers on this one, uh, the report's available at sustainability.ppg.com. But they've they released this report, and they're um, comparing their progress against these goals that they set for, you know, by 2025, they want to hit these particular goals. For instance, um, 35% of the sales are from sustainably advantaged products and processes, including the launch of antibacterial and antiviral products against their goal is 40% by 2025. Um, 35% of manufacturing and research and development locations had zero process waste to landfill. There was a 25% goal for 2025 for the reduction in waste disposal intensity from their 2017 baseline. And they they actually exceeded that goal with 34%. Uh, they had a 15% reduction in water intensity from their 2017 baseline against a goal of 20% by 2025. And 33% reduction in the spills and releases rate from 2017 and 24% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions since 2017. 
So those are pretty big numbers, especially, you know, it seemed like they had some pretty um, high goals for their 2025, and it seems like they're right on track for uh, improving the sustainability of their processes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Nate. You know, you can kind of glance over this real quickly and say, ah, some of this is fluff. And and really, I, I think when you drill down, you find out that, most of it is not fluff, and it is real, and it, it kind of shows that from a societal uh, perspective, you know, global companies, big, strong economic powerhouse companies, are affecting uh, the world in, in a positive way if they wish to choose so. So, you know, this this is a real, real uh, promising stuff. Really uh, good to see. Yeah, twenty four percent reduction in greenhouse gases from a company that size actually adds up to a huge reduction um, on a global scale so yeah their 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 enterprise is probably as big as like the uh, the country of singapore or or right. or, or luxembourg or, or or bigger and it's it does make a difference and it also provides leadership i think which is a good thing indeed okay my friends it's time now for the question and answer portion of our podcast. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. That'll answer. Powder coding. It's the Ask Joe Powder podcast. Okay, the first question comes from Tu Nguyen from Alphabet Codings in Vietnam. Um, I believe this is a follow-up question, right? Yeah, Two he had- asked me a question, a formulating question about how to improve the gloss of a, of a couple of powder coatings they were formulating, and I thought... I was saying that topic was a little too dry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's a little powder joke here. Uh, but I, I um, think this other one has a little bit more um, universal appeal to our, our listening audience. All right. So with that compelling backstory, here's the question. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Thank you for giving solutions that helped us improve the gloss problem for our powder coatings. We'll try to learn to develop our products more. However, if you don't mind, please advise us on another issue. We're struggling to compete with competitors in the market. The same machine conditions, the same type of powder coating gun, the same voltage level, the same flow, the same passing speed. Our resin ratio that we use is 60 to 70%. We use an additive called DH-103, but our paint only gives the product a thickness of 30 to 40 micrometers, while the paint of the rival company can produce products with a thickness of 60 to 70 micrometers. So what's the problem with our paint? We're trying to find the best solution and hopefully get some comments from you. Yeah. Hey, you know, thanks for your question too. Um, yeah. You mentioned this additive DH-103. I, I looked it up and, and it's uh, one of those electrostatic aids, you know, anti-static aids or whatever that you can incorporate at a low level and, you know, hoping for some magic with the electrostatics of the powder. And, yeah, I'm going to kind of set that one aside for now. Um, and, and here's where I would go to. I understand your problem, um, but let, let's let's start right here with the, the primary, the most important property uh, where you start to, to get the best transfer efficiency, and that would be particle size. Um, I feel this is the single most important property when it comes to 
transfer efficiency. And let's just kind of break it down. You know, what is the median particle size of your powder? Um, but more important, what's the percent below 10 microns? And what's the percent above 100 microns? The other question I guess I have is, how do you measure particle size distribution? The most accurate way uh, that we're aware of is, is using laser diffraction particle size analysis. Uh, and, and a key follow-up to that is, how do you control the particle size distribution? Um, the next issue I, I, I have is, you know, you mentioned uh, 60 to 70 percent resin content, which th that sounds reasonable. Um, but what's the overall specific gravity of your pro product? You know, is it in line with your com your competitor's product, or is it higher? Um, higher specific gravity powder coatings probably are not going to have as good a transfer efficiency as something, you know, more reasonable. And, you know, specific gravity, I think, you know, a, a good good range would be somewhere between 1.3 and maybe 1.5, uh, 1.55 um, specific gravity. So I'd take a look at that. And, and if you're high, now maybe look at uh, tweaking your formula. The next question doesn't have to do with you, but it has to do with your customer. And how well are they maintaining their application system? Uh, do they have a good earth or ground on their hangers and hooks? Uh, are their spray guns well maintained? How often do they provide maintenance for their equipment? You know, you may just be in a situation where, um, you know, they, they you're, you're catching them when the, the guns are on the late side of a maintenance um, a schedule, and, and they're just not spraying as well as they do after they've been kind of cleaned and maintained. Um, and, and, and finally, I just want to mention, you mentioned this uh, DH-103 uh, additive. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm not a big fan of adding these. Um, I think it's more of a Band-Aid approach. It's like if you don't do things right, you put that in and you hope it compensates for not doing things as well as you should. Um, so I would try these other, um, pursue these other issues first, uh, and then see where you land. And if that doesn't work, maybe consider using electrostatic additives. It's, it's just something that's usually not needed in powder. So anyway, if you have any more questions, give me a holler. And one last thing, uh, I think I know where your company's located. I think it's in the south part of, of Vietnam. Someday it'd be really nice to visit. Kind regards, Joe Powder. Okay, now a word from our sponsors. Gamma's Optistar All-in-One Control Unit leads the industry with a design fusing electrostatics and power feed in one compact device. By combining the powder injector and control unit functionality into one device, you get the highest coating efficiency, fastest response times of powder output, and excellent cleaning performance. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Configure it, feed it, optimize it, integrate it. Complete it with GEMA. The Powder Coating Research Group is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. 
PCR is the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from raw material evaluation, formulating the next generation of coatings, new product development, testing, troubleshooting, training, and consulting. To find out more, visit our website at powdercoatingresearch.com or you can email Kevin Biller at kevinbiller at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to the Ask Joe Powder Podcast. All right, and our next question comes from Johan in South Africa. He asks, Dear Joe, greetings from Johannesburg. I have a question. How can I increase the fluidity of powder coating? Okay, this this is uh, kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with our last question in some, some respects, so let's just kind of tackle it. So, hello, Johan. Uh, thank you for your question. Um, increasing the fluidity of a powder coating, and, and really for any powder material can be tricky business. And for our listeners who are unfamiliar with fluidity, we're talking about the behavior in which a powder can allow air to evenly space between the particles uh, and, and kind of separate them from each other, suspended more or less in air. This is a critical property in the application of powder coating. You see, in a powder coating application system, the bulk powder, as it's delivered, is introduced into a fluidized hopper. The fluidized hopper is typically either a cylindrical or box-shaped container that has a porous Teflon plate at the bottom. Uh, compressed air is pushed through or passed through this porous plate uh, into the, the powder that's sitting inside the container, and it creates or causes the powder to fluidize. This fluidization prepares the powder to be transported through the system, which you know the, the first first mechanical stop is going through what we call a powder pump, and then through the hoses, and finally through the spray guns. Um, what we're trying to do here is create a mixture of powder in air that is um, able to be pushed through the system. So fluidity or the fluidization characteristics of a powder is crucial in getting the powder to feed evenly through the system. And now to your question, Johan. A few factors are important in optimizing fluidity. First, like I said in the last question, answer, particle size distribution is critical. And note that I said distribution and not just particle size. This means... You have to manage the entire size distribution of the particles. Uh, most important in managing this distribution is to minimize the quote-unquote fines. And fines can be defined as particles below 10 microns in diameter. Uh, as you might have guessed, less is better, uh, and you should strive to have less than 6 or 7%. Um, fines in your powder coating. Too many fines will cause agglomeration, clumping, and with it, poor fluidity. Now, ditto for large particles. By large, I'm, I'm talking about 100 microns and, and larger. 
These are more difficult to physically move with compressed air, and, and therefore they don't fluidize well either. I would uh, set a target for somewhere less than 1% fraction over 100 microns for the best fluidization behavior. Okay, so after you nail your particle size distribution consistently, this is important, it's time to consider incorporating a dry blend or fluid flow additive. These are typically fume silicas, or there, there's, there's one type that's called, it's a fumed alumina, and these act as more or less ball bearings between the powder particles. These are really small particle size. Um, they're kind of approaching the nano particle diameter, and, and they act like, like, a, like I said, ball bearings between the particles. Keep in mind that a little goes a long way. The addition process should be made during the powder coating manufacturing steps right after the extrusion process. And typically, powder coating manufacturers will add the fumed material with the extruded chips or flakes just prior to the pulverization process. It can be fed automatically or some people will do it manually. But this ensures that these agglomerated fumed silica or fumed alumina get deagglomerated because of the impact and the, the uh, in, intense action in the grinding or pulverization step, which is very important. If you don't get um, full deagglomeration of the fumed material, um, you, this may result in seeds and quote-unquote bits in the finished powder film due to these agglomerates protruding through the, the coating. Now there is one problem with you know, the, this addition technique of adding your, your fumed silica or fumed alumina. Uh, some of it can get sucked out of the grinding system and into the waste stream headed towards the bag house. It's pretty easy to see that when you clean out a bag house uh, in a powder manufacturing facility. So some manufacturers have devised ways to introduce the silica after the grinding process, kind of just as it's being uh, sifted or sieved with a, with a fancy kind of maybe proprietary deagglomeration technique. So keep that one in mind. Hey, can you um, suggest a reason why someone would use um, fumed silica versus fumed alumina? Like what would be the reason for one of those versus the other? You know, they both work. The alumina, in particular, tends to give you kind of a lower, you know, a little bit of a lesser charge, which not always the worst thing as long as it's, you know, not too severe. But alumina typically goes a little bit towards a positive side in, in, in the way it behaves, you know, frictionally in, in the system. What typically happens is, a company will kind of hang their hat on one type of dry blend additive and all their products will have it. So they'll all be compatible. So if you have multiple materials at, at, a, at a given customer, uh, they'll be compatible. You can run into problems if one powder has fumed alumina and then it's followed by another one that has fumed silica or vice versa because they're going to they're gonna kind of... Uh, influence the charging capability or ch chargeability of the powder. So the, the silicas typically 
uh, will give you um, a little bit more towards the negative size of charging. So, so they have different effects on the electrostatics, but as far as fluidizing goes, they uh, behave similarly. They they do. Um, there is another subtlety where with the the silicas, um, the fume silicas, um, you can get a grade that's either treated or non-treated, which is going to make make it either hydrophilic or hydrophobic. Some people believe, and it, you know, you'd have to back it up with uh, with studies and, and data. But some people believe the hydrophilic fume silica, which uh, is the non-treated, um, will actually pick some moisture out of the ambient environment and give you better fluidization and less clumping due to you know humidity. And that's you know, it's important to make sure you know that it's happening. So. Anyway, um, you know the last last thing I mentioned, I you know I mentioned a little goes a long way, and I would shoot for a concentration well below one percent. You know, I'd say two tenths of a percent is where I'd start. If you can go with less, that's even better. Okay, I hope this helps, Johan, um, and I hope that you and your loved ones in South Africa are all doing well. Uh, kindest regards, Joe Powder. Okay, everyone, before we let you go, we'd like to fill you in on some upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an upcoming event. All right, coming up in June, the 22nd and 23rd, the Powder Coating Kitchen, Introduction to Powder Coating Formulation. That um, is our short course that we put on here at the lab, and we teach you all about the building blocks that go into powder coatings, and ultimately how to put them together and everything that is involved in the process. Yeah, it's a hands-on course. And I think, yeah, we've always had really, really good reviews. Um, you know, we, we don't just have you sitting listening to lectures. We break it up with uh, live demos in the lab. And, and it kind of culminates into asking you, the new the novice formulator, to actually formulate a powder coating. And we'll, we'll see how, how well you do. Right, and July 13th through 15th um, is the powder coating portion of Powder Coating Week. That's the Powder Coating Institute's week-long event with along with CCAI. It's going on in Orlando at SeaWorld. Um, and if you tuned into the last episode, the interview with the PBG ladies, then you would know that we're going to be attending, so. Yeah, yeah, come stop by and see us, although we're going to be on the move, so, uh, yeah, send us a text. Uh, Buy us beer. Yeah, send it, send up a smoke signals or, or uh, carrier pigeon. All right, and then the 22nd and 23rd of September, the Powder Coating Summit, that's uh, our event that takes place in Columbus, Ohio. And that'll be at the Hilton Polaris. Go to powdersummit.com for more information on that one. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I think you know, this this um, this fall we're going to start seeing people again. <laughs> right. It's going to be great. And we hope everybody's healthy in the meantime. The 27th through 29th of September is the Middle East Coding Show. And that's taking place in Dubai, UAE. Uh, kind of in closing 
for me at least, is you can catch the Ask Joe Powder Q&A, which is uh, the old school, in print. Uh, you can get it on the websites of Powder Coated Tough Magazine, which is uh, the flagship publication of the Powder Coating Institute. Uh, you can also find it um, kind of more or less in Europe and the Middle East with um, PPCJ, which is Polymers Paint and Color Journal, our good friends uh, uh, publishing that out of the UK. Uh, and you can also find it in PCI Magazine. That's Paint and Coatings Industry Magazine, PCIMag.com, uh, under their Finishing Flash tab. Right, you can find us online at askjoepowder.com. If you want to sign up and find out about the episodes when they come out, use any of your favorite podcasting apps for that. We're on Apples and Googles and Spotify's and everything else. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we put, have, so far we've been putting the interview episodes on there. Um, who knows, in the future we might put more content on there, but if you just want to subscribe... Um, it'll let you know when anything new comes up there. If you want to ask a question for Joe, the email address is askjoepowder at yahoo.com, or you can call in, leave a message at country code one four seven eight two ask Joe. That's one four seven eight two two seven five five six three. This has been a production of the Powder Coating Research Group. Our audio design, music, editing, all that sort of stuff is done by Nick Page. If you'd like to support the podcast, fill a duffel bag with unmarked $20 bills with no sequential serial numbers, and leave it on my back porch. If you want ad-free versions of all of our episodes, send six and a half Bitcoin to me and I'll email them to you. If you want exclusive access to our bonus episodes, including episode 22, leave a PlayStation 5 and an RTX 3090 in a Porsche GT2 with the keys and a notarized title in the glove box and leave it in the parking lot of the lab. <laughs> and keep your powder dry, my friends. <laughs>
They all have the same advertisers. Like we should do some spoof Beats. Blue Apron 